Oh, hey guys, this is Sheila Gunn-Reed and this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Freedom Passport. Do you know your rights? Freedom Passport resembles a Canadian passport, but it contains the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms in an easy to read format that you can take anywhere you go. And boy, I think you need that with you more than ever. To get your Freedom Passport today, it's easy. Visit freedompassport.ca. Now enjoy the show. Good morning, good afternoon, everybody, depending on the part of this great country that you're in. This is the Rebel News Daily live stream. I'm your host, Sheila Gunn-Reed. And joining me today, it's been a while, my friend, Alexa Lavoie. Alexa, how's it going? I'm pretty good. And you, Sheila? I'm doing well. You know, there's absolutely nothing to talk about today. Nothing happened yesterday in political news. No. So I don't even know what we're doing here today. <laughs> hey, see, I, know- I, I- I swear to God, I almost fall asleep during the the debate. I was like, that's the most boring one, but. (laughs) I was too busy laughing and being annoyed. Um, (laughs) So it kept my interest engaged, although I quit paying attention to the debate and I was paying more attention to the moderator, Tom Clark, which is, I think, kind of what Tom Clark wanted because if you were in the room you got the sense that it was the Tom Clark show and the the debate was his vehicle to relevancy one more time I just tried to understand why you didn't want it that nobody was clapping or shouting or anything and I was almost have the impression that he was talking with children like don't do that or they will be punished I was like what's going on there it's not supposed to be a debate well, and I think, you know, he didn't want any shouting, not because he didn't want cheering. I think he was worried about the booing because mm-hmm. this is Alberta. We don't like Sean Charest. We really don't. He's bad on all the things that Western Canada cares about, carbon taxes, gun rights. Um, he's re- free speech, I think. I-, I think he's really bad on those issues and uh, the free press, given how he treated you. So I think the moderator knew there would be booing for some of the candidates, particularly Patrick Brown and Jean Charest. I just don't think he thought there would be booing for him, but there were several times during the debate where the audience actively booed the moderator and people even (laughs) got up and left. Um, But I've got a lot to say because I was in the room. But before we get too far into that, I should tell everybody what we're doing here today and how they can have their say, because I am dying to know um, how people feel. If they watched the our live stream coverage of the debate last night. I want to know what you thought about the moderator, Tom Clark, who is a liberal lobbyist um, who once asked Justin Trudeau what his brand of shampoo is. Um, What did you think? If you watched the debate last night, what did you think of Ezra's reactions? I got home late and I was like, I really should be going to bed. It's 1230. But no, I thought I would stay up and watch Ezra's reactions to Tom Clark. Um, so that was fun too. So if you watch those people in viewer land, let me know. And here's how you can do that. So we are live streaming on YouTube. However, there may, and I th- we're pretty safe today, but we might come a time where we have to cut the YouTube feed because we sort of dance up against YouTube's censorship restrictions and we can't talk about certain things. And one of those is the advice of a local public health officer. They're, they're the basically like the Pope. You cannot blaspheme against them. Um, but We are also streaming on Getter. So if you're watching us on Getter, nice to see you. But if you want to have your say and support the work that we do, head on over to Rumble, Odyssey, and Super You. You can leave us a paid chat on each one of those platforms. Rumble is a rant. Odyssey 
is a hyper chat and super you is a shout send those uh ms producer olivia will send them to me in a message and we'll do our best to address your question your comment your story idea or your viewer feedback on air and it's you know a way that you can have your say because we're not the mainstream media we actually want to hear from you and you can support the work that we do completely of your own free will um getting back to tom clark um why don't we show, I, I'm sure we've showed it a hundred times, but why don't we show, Olivia, I'm sort of putting you on the spot, the clip of Tom Clark when he had Justin Trudeau stuck in an airplane yeah. with him. There was no no way that Justin Trudeau could escape. So now's your time to ask him hard questions. What is he going to do, jump out the window? But no, this is what Tom Clark won, thought the nation wanted to know. Why don't we roll that? So we know that we should have known better not we i mean this is what we should have expected from tom clark it played out exactly the way most of us thought it would thinking people i think so i guess the first thing i should ask you is are you feeling lucky I mean, <laughs> the entire country wants to know what shampoo do you use? <laughs> what a disappointing answer this is going to be. Whatever happens to be hanging around at the time. So I guess the first thing I should... Really isn't this not great <laughs> anyway? <laughs> I was thinking that, is it the same way that he handled the democracy? <laughs> Everything that he's like passing through, I'm just having a, a hand on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's Tom Clark when he gets a chance to ask the Prime Minister of Canada a question. What sort of shampoo do you use? Ridiculous. But so seriously, yesterday uh, his question was not even like uh, better than this one. I would no, say. That's, I'm sorry. That's that's what I mean. Like he first of all, this is Alberta. This is one of the rare places in the country where we have a lot of conservative journalists, and I'm not even pointing at Rebel News. There are a ton of us out here, particularly in Calgary, but we've got a lot of actual conservative journalists still working at mainstream media outlets. We've got Lauren Gunter, we've got Rick Bell, we've got Danielle Smith. There are people that they could have asked to come mm -hmm. do this besides Rebel News. There are people, even if the party was interested in flying somebody in, bring in Rex Murphy right but or conrad black or somebody like that but no they fly in somebody who is paid by the liberal government to select people to go on the cbc board to ask questions that he thinks alberta conservatives want answers to very disconnected i don't know who's responsible for that within the party but huge mistake huge mistake and it went over like a lead balloon in the room he was booed. People got up and left. They the questions were awful. Like, I what did I find out yesterday? Mm -hmm. Am I the only conservative in the country who doesn't like jazz? I think so because the three people on the stage. I think when Tom Clark asked them, uh, <laughs> "What what music are you listening to?" and they're like, "Somebody said jazz." Like, what is? I want to know about policy stuff. I want to know what distinguishes them from each other. And I got to find out what they're watching on Netflix. By the way, the right answer is I'm campaigning. I don't have time to binge a Netflix series. That's the right answer. Like, 
Okay, Olivia, t- I know I'm talking too much. I've, I'm like Tom Clark at this point where it's all about me. We've got, uh, Olivia's got a montage that I think our friends at True North put together of all the dumb questions yeah. from Tom Clark. It's bad. With uh, Mr. Charest and Mr. Charest, the very first question I have for you is what book are you reading now? What, what, thing, what? what book are you reading now? Oh, I'm... Mr. Aitchison, I wanted to ask you and give everybody a, a chance. Uh, there's a question and there's a twist to the answer. I want to know who your political hero is, and you cannot say Winston Churchill. Thank you all very much. That was actually really interesting to hear all that. Uh, uh, was Dr. Lewis, I'm going to start with you, and then, of course, everybody else gets a chance. I know you're all busy. I know that you've got, you've got stuff that you're doing right now. But when you have the opportunity to sit down and listen to some music, what do you listen to? I would say... Which I want to go to a question maybe a little more lighthearted, to getting to know you a little bit more. Uh, and there are a lot of people who want to know this. It's not just me, trust me. But, uh, Mr. Baber, what was the last thing that you binge-watched on TV? Who wants to know this? <laughs> um, what historical figure from any time, anywhere, would you most like to have dinner with? Seriously, this is, um, I don't know if I say uh, an insult or something like that, but the fact that they did an ovation at the beginning for this journalist, that it was supposed to be one of the biggest and one of the most uh, known and uh, for his question and for his, his uh, job, his career. And I re- result with this kind of question. I was just like, Really? Well, like, this that, is actually not true. <laughs> and that's the thing. Given what he had, what he asked Justin Trudeau, did we think that this was going to go any different? And his questions, he makes it seem like actually anybody cares about this. Like, other, it's not just me who wants to know this. Other people want to know. No, they don't. No, they don't. I, that's, I think that I'm pretty in tune with the average Alberta conservative. <laughs> Nobody cares about that stuff. I want to know how you're going to get pipelines built. I want to know how you're going to fix equalization. I want to know how you're going to stop the gun ban. I don't mm-hmm. care who he wants to have dinner with. I don't care what last show they watched. I, it's the last thing that anybody wants to know. And it's not what a debate is. A debate involves people arguing yeah. sometimes. Talking about an issue, hammering it out, not doing this whole like dating game thing that they were doing. But debate is supposed to be two or many candidates to explain their opinion together. But the fact is they were one after one and they, they were not almost allowed to talk to each other. So that is not a debate. This is just yeah. talking. Yeah, it felt like... It didn't even feel like a job interview because it felt like if this were a job interview, the questions would actually be relevant to the job that they were applying for. And in this case, they're applying for the job of prime minister at the end of the day. And I'm not sure why anybody cares. Like, what is the favorite color of the person who's running to be prime minister? And there were a few people who after there were a few people who after the debate 
were, I think they maybe had had a few drinks as you tend to do at these sorts of things. And they're like, yeah, he was fine. <laughs> but more, more people were like, it was terrible. I ran into uh, Pierre Polyev's uncle and brother who I immediately recognized, even though they were like, oh, you know, like we're in the bed. We are cheering for Pierre. I'm like, of course you are. You're his brother. <laughs> you big sneaky guy. But even they were like, it was terrible. It was yeah. awful. They didn't get a chance to talk about the issues. They didn't get a chance to talk to each other. They didn't get a chance to distinguish themselves from one another. That's what debates are designed to do. We're all watching to find out why are these guys different from each other? I, why do I care about their TV shows? Like, why? Because at the end of the day, when they will uh, do, when they will be prime minister, I don't care which book he's reading. I want to know how it will lead our country and solve our problem and do a better Canada. And yeah. his book that he's reading or the music that he's listening, that will not change anything on that. Yeah. Now, I will give it to Pierre Polyev when he was asked these questions. He was because I think sort of he was the last Nikki. person to answer. He he knew what the crowd wanted to hear. For example, when he was I forget his TV show or whatever, but I remember when the, he asked about yeah. what book is he reading right now? He said Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, which is right across on my shelf there. Um and when they said, you know, what music are you listening to right now? He said, he said, Paul Brandt, who is an Alberta country music star, who is also really involved in fighting human trafficking in Alberta. So he knew what the room wanted. Um, so he's able to think on his feet and answer those questions. So good for him. But what a waste of everybody's mm -hmm. time in the room. People paid 50 bucks, I think, to be there. Oh my God. What a ripoff, right? <laughs> I want my money back if I was there. Yeah. But I really like the answer of Pierre Poliev about uh, what he's uh, listening. Uh, he said on Netflix, he's listening. Uh, it's like a documentary uh, on communism. And um, and it was actually something that he said that he was learning from uh, all the people get a, a dictator and a tyranny and uh, some some path that he, he wants to avoid and uh, put it back from Canada. I was like, uh, this is actually pretty uh, bright uh, answer. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember, um, I think it was Jean Charest when they asked him, oh, what book are you reading right now? And he's like, oh, a book on Russia, but I can't remember the title. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're reading the Reader's Digest large print edition. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now at Rebel oh. News, we... Uh, have decided to send a message to the party. I think on behalf of the membership, because we do, we're you know like we we're not stumping for a party here, but we think that it was a complete insult to the intelligence of conservative party voters yesterday, and also a bit of an insult to the very deep talent pool of conservative journalists here in Alberta and in the West. They could have brought in. Somebody from Saskatchewan, like John Gormley, longtime uh, conservative radio host there, universally liked in the conservative movement. Mm -hmm. He's very conservative, but not all that controversial. We could have brought in Dave Rutherford, another retired, uh, longtime beloved conservative radio host here. But they didn't do that. And it was very insulting, not only to, you know, conservative supporters, but also the people who have worked very hard to be conservative journalists and build a brand for themselves here in Alberta. So we have a petition. 
It's at noliberalmoderators.ca. You can go there. You can sign it. You can send a bit of a cheeky message to the organizers of the conservative party debates that what we saw last night was an absolute disgrace. It was everything we expected from Tom Clark, but it was sort of not expected from the Conservative Party. I expected better from them. They shouldn't be insulting their voters this way. He made a mockery, our petition reads, of the Conservative Party leadership debate in Edmonton. They should know better than to hire a pro-liberal moderator. Please sign our petition um, to make this a one-time occurrence. Um, yeah, I, you know, I have those times where you go to get your nails done or whatever, and the view is on TV, and you're trapped, and you're feeling like, what am I going to do listening to this for the next hour? That's how mm-hmm. I felt last night, stuck in the room listening to Tom Clark, just getting stupider the whole time. But I, I swear, I think uh, the French debate should be more interesting um, because yeah. I don't know yet which one, which journalist would be the moderator, but most of the time uh, they bring pretty... Uh, important topic uh, on the situation so we'll see uh, how it goes uh, unfortunately you will not be there <laughs> yeah that's, it's too bad um uh, you're gonna do a great job though you're gonna do a wonderful job covering that for us and i know you're gonna ask tough questions and you're not gonna take no for an answer or i won't answer for an answer from the likes of jean Charest. i'm sure of it mm-hmm I was surprised that he was answering to Adam Sos. I was like, whoa. But yeah. we saw his face at the beginning. I was like, oh, he do his face as usually, usually, you know, like this kind of face of, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we did ask him about Huawei and Adam asked a great question. He put it to him saying, mm-hmm. like, knowing now what we all know about Huawei, can you at least say that maybe you regret working for them? And mm-hmm. he's still wouldn't would say not. it no. and it, no. th- that was an easy question that's you know you could easily say yeah i guess when i was working for them i didn't realize that they were part and parcel of enforcing mm-hmm. the social credit system uh if i had known that i would not have worked for him that's a fair answer but mm-hmm. he couldn't say that i guess he likes it his money never. more than he likes his ethics no i know i know john charret was my premier for like nine years it would never never played that it was wrong on something. Yeah. Never. Yeah. And mm-hmm. our team, I think our team, our little tiny team of four journalists, we've got six questions to the candidates, which I think was great. I think it was more than anybody else. Um, we asked a bunch of questions that conservatives, I think, want answers to. Celine, who's an intern who joined us on during our convoy coverage, she asked the first question out of the media scrum on gun rights, which I thought was great. Maybe we have a clip of that. Mm-hmm. Hi, Mr. Aitchison, Celine Gallus for Rebel News. Um, the Liberals have imposed a backdoor gun registry through an order in council which changes regulations to require retailers and sellers to collect data on purchasers. Uh, new rules come into force May 18th. Will you commit to repealing these? I will. Canada has among the most regulated firearms industry in the world. The problem that we have in this country is the issue of illegal guns coming across our border and getting into the hands of gangs. 
That's a much diff more difficult challenge to deal with. Uh, and you see the Liberals time and again using firearms and legal law-abiding firearms owners in this country uh, as a whipping tool uh, to, try to, to try to lather up their base and, and generate votes while not dealing with the real issues. Uh, it, it's, it's the wrong approach for Canada. What we need to do is address the real problem, not, not demonize law-abiding mm -hmm. firearms owners. Mm -hmm. Hi, Mr. Aitchison. I think it's did actually a, great a, job. a good, yeah, it's actually true what he was saying. It's like the black market and uh, the, the, the guns that are coming up that is not registered that we need to be careful of and ban from uh, Canada, not uh, the registered one that actually make their proof, uh, pass their courses for having it. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I think this sort of brings us to some other news. Although maybe I'm not sure if we need to be done talking to the debate quite yet. But one of those ways that the guns get into the country are through Canada's completely porous open border. And and uh, I think Quebec is acknowledging that this, this is a problem. Um, and they've asked for Roxham Road to be closed because the province can't handle this influx of refugees spawned by mm -hmm. Justin Trudeau's, I think it was 2017, welcome to Canada tweet. He was sort of virtue signaling because Trump cracked down on illegal immigration and issued a, a travel ban from six failed states where you couldn't confirm anybody's identities. And the mainstream media called this uh, a Muslim ban. That wasn't it. And so you've done some great reporting on this, just how easy it is to get a person into the country. So it's pretty easy to get an illegal firearm into the country. And that is where the majority of our gang-related firearms crimes are being facilitated. Yeah. So most, uh, so it, it, it happened yesterday. They, they did talk about Roxanne Road most of the day, and especially at the uh, National Assembly. Um, Mr. Legault went out to say that um, now the, the increase to almost 100 illegal immigrants per day. And that's uh, mean that we will reach about 36,000 uh, illegal immigrants at the end of the year. That represents 92% of the immigration um, year. And so Quebec cannot afford uh, with the social, like the welfare, and especially with the health system and the, especially for the lodging, because now the lodging is uh, almost at the top capacity for them. And it costs a lot uh, for Quebec because they enter in our province. Of course, for the lodging and for some other um, things, the federal is paying for. But a big part, part of it is Quebec and Quebec cannot uh, follow up with uh, their mental health issue and some helping issue, some of them need to have support to, like it's not everybody who are ready to, oh, okay, I'm in a new country. I, I can uh, find a, a place to stay, find a, a job to, to, to stay too. And, and I was talking with some of them yesterday as well. Uh, some of the uh, people were hanging out in the park and they, what they were saying is like, the first trial that they receive is not because they've been arrested. The first trial is for their brown card for having the residency for four years. And one of them say that I will be heard in four years. 
Yeah. Four years. And so what uh, Legault was explaining is like the federal take too much time to receive them and heard their story that they just see after more than a year. They say that usually it's minimum 14 months to heard one of these seekers of asylum. And they realized afterwards that they were not running away from their country or they were not seeking asylum from their country for because of the award of, or danger. They were just going in the country because they say that uh, Canada was safe and uh, good uh, living. That's it. Well, and, you know, you think about the other ramifications a little bit down the road, but not too, too far off. This is going to cause a housing crunch in Quebec. You just can't have people flooding in if you don't have houses to put them all in. And everybody needs a place to live. Mm -hmm. And if market supply is not keeping up with the demand, it's going to drive the cost of housing through the roof in Quebec. And especially you have some regulation that you cannot build where you want and uh, they have a restriction on how many like uh, houses that you can build per year and i know that close where my mom's live uh, no house is permitted anymore to be being built same if they have like land um so the the big problem is like we cannot build more but we receive like a tons of new people who coming in and so the price is increasing and so people cannot afford it anymore. And so people need to share some apartment altogether. So I don't think it's really healthy for for a country, but as well for our province. Uh, it's just, you know what, you can't talk about inflation without talking about immigration numbers. And that's mm-hmm. legal legal immigration numbers. But it's even worse when you couple it with the illegal migration numbers. Canada lets in, I think it's 300,000 immigrants a year. So yeah. get get in the line. Don't walk in the back door. And then four years to get a hearing. A lot can happen in four years. Perhaps you have a child on Canadian soil and they become your sponsor. Mm-hmm. So it's why it's like, it's incredible one where I was just listening what they were telling me. And I was, I, I asked them, you just been scared to be arrested by police. You know, you enter in the country and you get arrested. They were no, 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 not at all. <laughs> I was wow. like, okay, so you knew already that you were safe crossing and being arrested. <laughs> wow. Now, I want to uh, move to something else that's happening in Quebec. Uh, if we people want us to continue talking about the debate, let us know in the chats. Um, But Quebec, I just saw this from Global News, Quebec lost almost $1 billion on COVID-19 protective equipment, says the Auditor General. So it sounds like Quebec's unpreparedness and its delayed reaction to the COVID-19 pandemic led to the province losing almost a billion dollars on its procurement of personal protective equipment. The government waited too long and then rushed into purchasing items such as masks and gloves at a higher price. Um, by the end of March 2021, the value of equipment purchased by the province had dropped by $938 million. Of that amount, the province lost $671 million on the value of its stockpile and another $267 million connected to contracts for equipment and prepaid orders. And I think this just goes hand in hand with the overwhelming amount of deaths that Quebec saw in its nursing homes, both in uh, private facilities, but also 
in public facilities. Mm -hmm. I looked into this number because every time you hear about um, this sort of stuff, you hear the public sector union saying the problem is private health care. The private health care agencies didn't take care of the people in the nursing home. So I went back and looked at the numbers and I'm like, no, the, the death rates are actually comparable. And I think a lot of that has to do with the supplies not being there and people also being much more scared of the disease than they needed to be. So they didn't show up to work. Yeah. They confined old people into their rooms when they should have just treated them as though they caught a, a, a bad cold or a flu and treated them that way. Instead, we treated them like they were a biohazard event and the outcomes were terrible. Yeah, don't don't forget that Quebec had the most uh, money spent on COVID advertising, uh, fear, propaganda, and as well as as you know in the healthcare facility, uh, the long term one. Uh, at the beginning of March, they were actually writing to the government saying, "We have most have no staff to take care of the people." It, it was like an alarm, like bell but nobody did nothing and it's it's why like uh, our death rate is the highest one in canada we we have the the the, the worst like data and uh, we had the most like strict covid 19 uh, measure yeah i mean it's just shocking how now they say the government has launched a few lawsuits to sue for against the price gouging that they experienced but they didn't even start bulk purchasing supplies until like the end of March, mm -hmm. approximately a, a month after their first um, diagnosed COVID case. But again, this goes back to the whole planning for a pandemic. This didn't just happen in Quebec where nobody was prepared. I think we were a little better here in Alberta, but the Public Health Agency of Canada they didn't have supplies. They closed a warehouse in Saskatchewan and threw out everything that was in there uh, because it was expired. Well, you can still use expired rubber gloves in a pinch. It's not like milk, right? Like you could still use expired gowns. You know, it's not ideal. But again, it's not like a dairy product. It's not going to go sour. It just, you know, just sometimes you have to be more careful about degrading. But it's not... It's better than nothing. But with the public health agency, they literally were left with nothing when they're like, oh, it's expired. Let's throw it all out. Close the warehouse and never stock it back up. And it seems like a lot of that happened in Quebec, too. Yeah, I just wanted to know that I helped in the healthcare uh, facility at the beginning of the pandemic because I just wanted to give help. And the mass was really count, like they, count, they, they were counting it. Like I was... I had the, the permission to take two per day uh, because after a while, the mask is not efficient uh, at the jobs if it's humid or anything. So you need to change it. But I was just allowed to have two, not more. The whole day. So they were, yeah, they were keeping on key, like locking on a, a place. Wow. Wow. Um, it sounds like we've got lots of chats coming in today, which is great. Um, let's just move into uh, more nonsense, and then uh, we'll circle back and uh, get to the chats. Um, we've got this from Ziri.net. Can we bring that up? Um, because this is 
more of the war on motherhood. <laughs> Anybody can be a mother, including a pregnant trans man, which if you are a pregnant trans man, um, I don't care what your exterior looks like or how you feel. You are still biologically a woman um, because it is the female of the species that carries the offspring. So we've got this one. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because this sort of nonsense came up in the debate. We've got uh, pregnant trans man stars in a Calvin Klein's Mother's Day campaign. There's no, First of all, okay, if this is a man, then uh, why is this man taking over a female-only space Mother's Day? Where are the feminists on this issue if this person is a man? But it sounds like we're conceding this person is actually a female, like just a female with a male-looking exterior. Um, as part of Mother's Day in the United States, Calvin Klein launched a campaign that went viral on social media. Yeah, I bet it did. Um, so they show a photo of Roberto Bete. I think I'm saying that right. A pregnant mm -hmm. trans man who's about to give birth to her baby Noah, along with her partner, mm -hmm. Erica Fija, a transgender woman. Yep. I don't even know what's going on here, but I, I, I don't know. I'm a little bit speechless. Um, why do we have to just leave Mother's Day alone? You're having a baby. Uh, obviously, everybody still has their lower bits, as though I care. I don't care about any of this stuff, but why is this a major ad campaign on Mother's Day for underwear? It's just like, what? it's just controversy for the sake of it my, my only problem is like you know i have nothing against that like it just i don't care children, live your life yeah exactly <laughs> but for an advertising and especially like some children who doesn't know what is a trend jar and say that what oh oh men can have a baby now like yeah. you know with the innocence they will say oh so the little boy will say oh maybe one day i will have a baby no, it's not working like that. I'm sorry. You have a trick yeah. there. <laughs> you know, it just it just make me feel like um, children are so innocent when they think they, it's all always so pure and and introducing some idea that maybe you as a man you can probably have been like pregnant one day, um, because they don't realize that oh it's a woman but I look like a man. I I don't know. It's just not something that I will uh, probably present in a big advertising i i just think it's so i don't know it just i think mothers leave mother's day for women and if you are a man who's carrying a child i think you might actually be a woman too and that's okay look however you want but let's not pretend mm -hmm. that you're not a woman um well it's not on my business but let's not pretend that you are not a woman and the reason I bring this up, because Mother's Day, I think, should be a women's only space, we can move into this uh, article from True North, because another women's only space is being invaded by men. Feds have formalized a policy to allow biological males to serve prison sentences in women's prisons. And this means that... Uh, there will be no segregation of people who still have their biological male parts, they will be allowed in the general female population in these 
prisons. And yes. And um, this, David Menzies has covered this protests outside women's prisons by old school feminists who are saying, uh, you can't take a woman out of society, put her into the care and control of the state, and then not at least do your best to keep her safe. And the thing about women, or many of these women who end up behind bars, the, a lot of them have suffered sexual violence. A lot of them, you know, they've sexual suffered sexual violence as children that takes them into a life of criminality and prostitution and drug abuse and the societal decay that surrounds their life because of those things. Many of them end up being sex trafficked. Um, and, you know, that I'm not excusing their crimes, but I am explaining how they ended up on the path they ended up on. Mm-hmm. So then to put them in prison with men where they're confined with men. This is not how we should be dealing with this. This is some mm-hmm. of David Menzies' prior footage. He actually had um, a person there who was transgender who said, you can't be doing this. You just cannot be putting people who are still biologically male in with the the women in the prison. It's unsafe. Yeah. Alexa, what do you I, think? I... I think I I kind of agree because some of the women, like you know, psychologically, they are they are affected by what do you say, like uh, being raped or being victim of sexual abuse, and not being secure and thinking that maybe you have some men under a, a female like figure. I think it can be more stressful and. Um, uh, that can bring a lot of consequences uh, in the illness of the mental uh, issue. So I don't think uh, for the safety, especially because we never know, like, okay, I can understand that uh, some people would say that, but if they are in transition to be a female, they are not probably interested on in female. No, not that that's true. Uh, it can be on woman or men side like what they like so we don't know how they can react on in jail when they have no sex at all so for me just uh, we should separate uh, by the um natural by, sex yeah biological yeah. sex yeah and you know in this true north article they raise another issue here that I think is really important because there are people also besides the female offenders that are being imprisoned with potentially these could be formerly male sex offenders, by the way. Mm -hmm. So these could be um, men who committed acts against children. Then they get into the prison system. Then they uh, transition and then they get housed in a women's facility. So that does happen. Um, I think just a couple of weeks ago, there was um, a, an offender who had gone that same route who then had impregnated another uh, inmate in the prison where he was being housed. But there's somebody else that we need to be concerned about in all of this. And that is the prison guards because by and large prison guards at women's facilities are women because we kind of acknowledge that you want, you don't want male male prison guards in a position of power that can be abused. So by and large, they're female, but now you've got female prison guards. Um, and usually women's prisons are lower security. 
Um, the guards generally don't have weapons the same way that they would have in a male facility. And this is one of the reasons why some of these male malingerers want to be transferred into the female prisons. It's a lot easier to go to a female prison, get a little bit more freedom. Uh, you know, they're, they're, there's not that level of aggression and women generally commit different crimes. So they're, they're not often the same sort of violent criminals that men are. But the prison guards are largely women. They're smaller so, and they don't have weapons. The facility has different security protocols that are a lot less than what you'd see in a, in a male, you know, min to max security prison. And so it becomes now dangerous for the female guards to deal with men who have transitioned to female um, because they are also bigger than the guards now. It's a little bit uh, as, uh, you know, the swimmer that changed on the woman's side that right. was almost sure to win, but now it's like being sure to be more easier for the jail for them. Yeah. Yeah, this is just, I think it's just awful. So uh, they've adopted an interim policy. This is from the True North article. To place inmates in the prison of their choice regardless of their anatomy or gender on their identification documents, unless there are overriding health or safety concerns, which cannot be solved. So I guess until they prove themselves to not be a problem, they get to be whatever they feel like. If mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter. They, they don't have to live like it beforehand. They This can be something that they get convicted of murder and they say, oh, you know what? It's a little bit more comfortable to be serving out my 10 years to life in a ladies' prison. I guess I'm a lady now. And that's going to happen. It does happen. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not agreeing with the fact to, <laughs> to let know. that go. But who, who decide at the end? Uh, Trudeau. This was a Trudeau announced policy in 2017. So uh, I don't know why. I don't know why he made this his hobby horse, but apparently it is. And for a feminist, to self-avowed feminist like Justin Trudeau, he is putting vulnerable female offenders who are in care and control of the country, the state, he's risking their safety now to just I guess, prove a point to prove how tolerant he is. You see, he gets to do these sorts of stuff because he has very low liability in all of this. It's not his safety being endangered. It's not the safety of his wife being endangered. It's not the mm -hmm. safety of his daughter being endangered, but it is the safety of somebody else's daughter being endangered. And that's the problem here. Mm -hmm. I agree. Totally. Uh, now, <clears throat> while we have you, uh, Quebec-based story Francois Amalega. Um, so, it's really complicated. Tell me how to say that. <laughs> because um, he's uh, from Cameroon. So his name is actually Amalega. And his Amalega. family name is Francois. But everybody gotcha. say Francois Amalega because Francois is more used usually as it's a name. It's a first name. Yeah. Yeah, but for him is his family name. But uh, some it's, it's kind of confusing. So it's why some people called him Amalega, some people called him Francois. So he know that, he know that. So it doesn't bother, bother him at all. Um, yeah, that was a, a really, really strange uh, a story. Um, he's a freedom fighter 
we can uh, compare him as uh, Chris Kai for the rest of Canada, English Canada, but he's a, a base in uh, Montreal, Quebec. So he's, um, he's known since the beginning of the uh, pandemic. Uh, he's a mathematics uh, teacher. He always been uh, a quiet person, uh, but when the pandemic uh, hit, um, he saw the right and the freedom of the people getting away. So he raised his voice and he went to take back the freedom and the right of the Quebecer, but as well the Canadian. And so um, he, he did a lot of movement where he was not wearing a mask. He received a lot of tickets, a lot. We talk about 60, 70. I don't, I don't count anymore. Um, but recently he went to see uh, the prime minister and um, he just questioned him. He didn't been violent. He just uh, raised his voice a little bit saying like, are you um, stupid or incompetent to talk about the relance, economic relance? when you see your people being ostracized still by the vaccine passport. After that, he got arrested. He had like some condition to not be close from the prime minister. We call prime minister in French, but he's a premier of Quebec um, for not being close to 300 meters. But afterwards, he went to protest uh, at Radio-Canada CBC because uh, our premier was there for a recording of... Uh, a show. So he got arrested that time. It was the 16th of January and he never get released until the um, 9th of May. So he spent almost four months in jail uh, waiting for different trials that he had. Most of them he had been uh, played on guilty. So he, he was fine on guilty. Uh, just one of them I have been uh, found guilty. But um, what he said to, to me when he were transferred from jail to jail in Trois-Rivières, um, it was really awful. So he stopped to eat for a week, saying that he wanted to be transferred to another prison. He filled the complaint against the, the jail where he was mistreating. Um, they put in with like end cough by end cough for the feet and end cough between end and feet and they were like just carrying him like a little bit everywhere. This is what he said to me. It's like most of the, the canteen, like uh, when you order some stuff, he never had it uh, to him. He, they put in in quarantine for more than the first time, 14 days. They were forcing him almost to take the COVID-19 uh, test putting him again for a 10 day of quarantine in a really small like piece. Everything like forcing him to wear a mask when he had the handcuff, putting uh, in his face. And uh, so for him, uh, it was really important to be released without condition because he was saying, I didn't do anything wrong. Right. I just disagree with what the government imposed to his citizen and uh, stop the right and the freedom of their own citizens. So it was like, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not going to be released with, with condition. It's why they, they kept him in jail for almost four months. But you have a rule that you cannot keep a prisoner more than 90 days when you know that the sentence will probably be less than that. So it's why they were probably obligated to release him at the end. Well, and what's shocking here is he's been completely peaceful. 
completely peaceful. People who beat their wives, abuse their kids, steal from you, uh, they don't get anywhere, anywhere mm-hmm. near the time that he got. And normally they get bail. All they have to do is go before a judge and say, I promise I won't do it again. And they get bail while they await trial, but not Francois. He was held as though he were, you know, a, a serious risk to the community, but he's never been anything but completely peaceful. He's called for peace. I've seen videos where he's telling people we have to be peaceful. Um, you know, we can't give them what they want from us. And I think that's why they had to get him off the streets and hide him away for four months is because he's very effective in his message. So what's the best thing to do if you want to get somebody to shut up, hide them away, put them in prison, I guess. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's funny because what he was saying to me, he say, I don't know what happened when I was in jail, but I started to receive a lot of ticket, but some tickets from other like previous protests, like some years ago, where he was not wearing a mask. And it was like, do they went to all my profile on Facebook and look at all the protests that have been that I was not respecting the rule. And they send me like all these tickets that I don't even remember I was present that day. And I was like, uh, how is it, it can be? And he say like he received tons of it, tons. And some of, um, he received a ticket from the police because he stopped his car because the, 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 the police stopped him, so he just stopped the car where he was arrested, and he got the ticket because he stopped at the wrong place. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think I think it was you in one of his your videos. He was at the time probably had fifty or sixty thousand dollars worth of fines. Does that sound right? Uh, now it now it's uh, way more than that. So. He, he actually say that um, he don't want to be really represented by um, a lawyer because he said the justice is more mostly all in the same uh, package because he say like if you want to be a lawyer you need to be vaccinated shot uh, so uh, all you can be um, straight to your head all you can be uh, objective uh, on what is going on and it was like. I know what I did. I know uh, why I did it. And I think I'm the best one to talk about what happened that day and for which purpose I, I'm doing it. And um, some of the judge that he had, uh, when they release him, they say that I'm so sorry you needed to pass through uh, this time in jail for something that we cannot prove. And... Uh, it's just so objective that um, we are sorry and we don't understand why they kept you in jail. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're doing this to all the high profile objectors who are completely peaceful, like Pastor Art, like Pastor James Coates. Doesn't matter if you're bombastic and over the top or quiet and peaceful, like Tim Stevens or Francois. It doesn't matter because in the end, your crime is the same. You didn't do what they told you to do. You chose to live your life the way you saw fit. And what he was saying as well, he say, but if you can see, they always take the, the talker one, the, the big speaker, they take it away from the crowd. So the crowd is not rising up yeah. as yeah. we saw with Tamara Lynch or uh, other like a big leader as Chris Carr or whatever, when they were taking away the leader, 
they had less people in the street afterwards, less people raising their voice afterwards uh, because they take away the biggest masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Now, I know we have a ton of chats coming in today, and I think we have nine minutes left in the show. So let's, (laughs) let's see if we can get to these. So Trini Canadian, she's a regular viewer and a regular uh, donator to our streams. Appreciate her very much. Sorry, I'm shuffling around trying to find my glasses. (laughs) Uh, Trini Canadian says, Tom Clark and the Conservative Party of Canada could take a few lessons on how to put together a debate from Avi and Rookshan. Uh, on their debate in Australia. Well done, Avi. Yeah, they, uh, Australia is in the middle of an election and our team down there had put together a debate and um, thoughtful and uh, people actually got to talk instead of just the moderators. Mm-hmm. So that, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> that's usually how it's supposed to work. Uh, Adam Ottawa gives us a buck. The media party said the debate was vicious Though I thought it was pretty lame The only thing vicious was how people reacted to Tom Clark because he was terrible. They booed him. Yeah. I've never <laughs> seen a moderator booed. Like, he was booed as uh, boisterously as Jean Charest was booed. Which is probably, Jean Charest was probably grateful that there was somebody the crowd disliked more than him for what. <laughs> I agree with uh, that. <laughs> Uh, Adam Ottawa also gives us a buck, says charade, must live in a bubble. He claimed all sorts of falsehoods, convinced he's a plant. I feel like he's like Hillary Clinton, where he feels like this is just his turn. And so he's Mm -hmm. running because it's his turn to be in charge. He's going to lose, too, like Hillary. Uh, Adam Ottawa gives us a buck, says Brown is a liar when he said he was the most lockdown resistant. Yes, complete liar. He chained up the parks. He fenced off the playgrounds he said security guards to the cemetery to make sure that people were social distancing outside at funerals he spent millions of dollars on this stuff he was the worst saying he was the most lockdown resistant yeah maybe for himself when he was out playing hockey (laughs) and all the kids were locked down but generally speaking he was one of the most pro lockdown mayors in the entire country, given Calgary a run for their money. Um, and he's also a liar when he said, I asked him, because it's a question that puts him out of step with the entire Conservative Party. I asked him if he's going to move the embassy to where it belongs in the capital of Jerusalem. And the reason I asked that question is because um, it shows how he's, the whole party is over here thinking, yeah, you put the embassy in the capital. We don't let terrorists tell us what we do and he's like no no it's going to hamper the peace process if i move it to jerusalem i'll let him answer my question and then i'll tell you why he's a liar and stupid hang on was articulated under stephen harper's government which was not to move uh, the government as it would make the peace process uh, more difficult sheila gunn read rebel news okay that's fine um peace reason The peace, okay, so yeah. But the thing is, Trump moved the embassy to Jerusalem, where it belongs, and then you know what Trump did? Signed a bunch of peace accords. They're called the Abraham Accords. And peace broke out in the Middle East. So everybody told Donald Trump, you can't move the embassy to Jerusalem because, because, by the way, that's the bigotry of low expectations, thinking the Palestinians can't behave themselves because the embassy moved. 
That's bigotry. I think they can. And I know they did because Trump moved the embassy to where it belongs. The Canadian conservatives have a longstanding pro-Israel stance because it's this little beacon of democracy surrounded by terror. And when Trump moved the embassy, nothing happened. Peace broke out in the Middle East. Why wouldn't he be in lockstep with the party on that issue? I have my suspicions anyway but yeah he said it would hamper the peace process the exact opposite happened when the americans did it the exact opposite. peace broke out for once anyway let's keep going uh adam ottawa says i actually like babber i think is how i say mm-hmm. it not sure if he's ready to be leader but he's genuine and he knows real issues i think he's sincere you know you can sort of tell mm-hmm. when politicians are telling you what they think you want to hear, but you're not sure if they actually believe it. I fully believe Roman Babber believes the things that he says. And I don't take umbrage with him on very, I maybe one policy issue. Um, but I, I think he is a decent, genuine human being who actually tells you what he believes, which is kind of rare in politics. The only problem, I really like him, but I find him that, uh, I don't know, not even enough strong, like, is not enough, like, I, I would say maybe aggressive or anything. He's always keeping, like, quiet in his uh, own bubble. And yeah. when he have the, the right to, to talk, he take it. But he never go, like, go away when he have something that yeah. he really believe that he wants to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's not overly aggressive on the stage. Mm-hmm. He's sort of calm. Aitchison is like that, too. Although I think Aitchison is kind of annoyed with the whole process. <laughs> That's the vibe I get from him. But uh, I think it's just his personality. He's not a bombastic, aggressive person. He's just sort of a, a quiet communicator. I do like Roman Babber. I sure do. Yeah. World's Worst Gamer gives us a buck. I am not free. I never was. Uh, Adam Ottawa gives us two bucks. The moderator was so con- ter- concerned about time discipline but spend a lot of time on their personal interests like books and mainstream broadcast TV. Isn't that true? There was, It was like a 90-second preamble from Tom Clark before he gave the people 15 seconds to answer his stupid question nobody wanted to hear anyway. It was the Tom Clark show. It was a promotion for a TV show and a book show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think Tom Clark wants to be back on TV. Like he wants to host a variety show with politicians. Uh, <laughs> Cher- Cheryl Don V gives us a buck. Excuse me, candidates. The last thing you ate in the color of your underwear. What is your stripper name? <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. I asked. I think I asked uh, Pierre Polyev's brother what his favorite flavor of ice cream was. I'm like, let's pretend for a minute. I'm Tom Clark. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? It's boring. Who cares? Jeffersonian Patriot gives us five bucks. If they watch Netflix with its past pedophile problems, then that's a concern. Look, sometimes I watch Netflix too. Me um, too. There's some, there's some things on there that I, I want to see. I just don't watch those things that I think are gross. And there's plenty of things on Netflix where I'm like, I never want to watch this. Mm-hmm. Never. Like, who's that awful, boring female comedian? It doesn't matter. Nobody knows anyway, because she's boring and unfunny, but I never watch her stuff. I'd... Not Hannah Gadsby. Thank you, Olivia. Who's the other one? She's blonde. It doesn't matter. Amy Schumer. Thank you. If oh, yeah, I, I like her. 
Do you, if I commit a terrorism offense and I get sent to Gitmo, you can torture me with Amy Schumer sets because I find her just insufferable and boring. It's hard to watch. Oh no, it's just sometimes like, I, 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 <laughs> I find that her joke is kind of funny. <laughs> oh, you know what? She, that's the thing. There you go. There's stuff on Netflix for everybody. Uh, <laughs> Adam Ottawa gives us a buck. If you have to tell people what color their tie is, you're not real. Yes, I'm talking about Sheree. AMT60, a buck. I'm more concerned about the World Health Organization Pandemic Treaty Conference, May 22nd to 28th, where the 193 countries vote on whether the World Health Organization could take control of any country pandemic response and sovereignty given up yeah that's a real concern and then mm -hmm. you know when people ask about you know like what about how much we are being world health organization compliant certain yeah. members of the conservative party say that's a conspiracy theory mm -hmm. oh we are we saw that huh <laughs> yeah from exactly. uh, my your friend <laughs> yeah i would say hey i would say my friend but he's not <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. They say this stuff is a conspiracy theory, but it's definitely yeah. not. And we should be concerned, even at the most basic level, when the World Health Organization is credibly accused of basically being butt kissers to China and covering mm -hmm. up for China all the time. And then we have Teresa Tam as one of the seven, I think, board member, advisory board members. And she's also the chief medical officer of our country, makes you wonder is she doing what's in the best interest of the World Health Organization, which is, um, you know, on its knees for China, or is she doing what's in the best interest of Canada? Mm -hmm. And if, I think if you really take a look at the decisions that she's made, she's really not examining the evidence as it unfolds in Canada. She's doing something completely different. Um, Ian Black gives us five bucks. I'm... Slightly interested in what the mainstream media are saying about the debates last night, so I'm happy to pay you to watch just so I don't have to. Okay, I will watch because I am curious. Okay. That was one of I my will. questions. That was one of my questions I wanted to ask to the people after the debate, but as it turns out, everybody was so bored they just went home to bed. Uh, by the time we were done this scrum, everybody was gone. Like 500 plus people had just been like, I'm out of here. I have all the Tom Clark I can take. And they left. And usually people linger around and visit and network and talk and have a drink. They were all gone. We did a half an hour of scrum and it was like tumbleweeds rolling through the building. Everybody had gone home. And I wanted to ask them who they thought won because I wanted to compare that to who the mainstream media will say won. It's like sometimes we watch two, it's, we're watching the same thing, but they may as well be watching something completely different. Mm -hmm. So I would probably uh, need to do the live stream after the French debate to recap what people have said during uh, the French one. Yes. Uh, Becca Henderson gives us a buck. On Twitter, there have been pro-choice people shaming pro-life women who have had miscarriages and saying they purposefully caused their miscarriages. Heartless bullies and thugs, oh, the loving left. You know, we have, um, wherever you fall down on this issue, um, although I sort of wear my politics on my sleeve, um, we have teams covering the March for Life in Edmonton, Toronto, and Ottawa today. And the reason we're doing that is because it is our journalistic mission to tell the other side of the story. What many people don't know, and this is a failing of the mainstream media, the single largest demonstration in this country every single year is the March for Life in Ottawa. And you will not see it 
on the mainstream media. They won't tell you that it's overwhelmingly female. They will not tell you it is overwhelmingly young people. They will not tell you it is often overwhelmingly minority. I know what it's like that in Edmonton. It's overwhelmingly young female minority. And yet the mainstream media will tell you it's old white men trying to control women's bodies. And that is not the narrative. So wherever you fall down on this issue, what you can agree with me on is that the mainstream media gets this completely wrong. Mm -hmm. I agree with that because since I'm in Quebec, I never heard that yet really pro-life march before. Yeah, it's... You know, there will be maybe, I think it's tens and tens and tens of thousands, but I think some years it approaches, like approaches 100,000 people in Ottawa. And the only thing you might hear the mainstream media talk about is the traffic snarl caused by it. But they won't ever even say it's because there are all these people saying we need a law. Mm-hmm. that restricts this at some point because in Canada we joined China and North Korea in not having a law that restricts it at any point during pregnancy mm-hmm. that's the one thing the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about either they say oh you know it's about people that want to control women's bodies sometimes it's people who say uh, fully formed human beings are not created human by virtue of passing through the magical birth canal at some point maybe they are independent human beings from their mothers and they don't need the magical birth canal to turn them into a human being. Um, There are those people out there too. So it's a very, um, it is uh, dishonest reporting you will get from the mainstream media. But luckily enough, we've got teams in cities all across the country to bring you the other side of the story. (laughs) Uh, GGCT, 10 bucks. Just sending some love to you amazing ladies. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thanks both for your great work. I did vote for Alexa Aww. as my favorite rebel reporter. You know, a lot of thank people. You. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I was the first loser behind Avi, but I was the best Canadian. Oh. Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> but I also have, I'm a bit of a ringer because I have three live streams a week. Plus I frequently mm-hmm. fill in for Ezra and I have my own fully produced paywalled show, and I also do a video a day, and I also write articles. So um, you might be deluged with my content sometimes, so I end up being top of mind. I might not be favorite. I think I'm just top of mind, if you know what I mean. You're getting all the Sheila. I, th- I, I think you're my favorite, though. <laughs> oh, <get laughs> <out of here. laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not the person you have to talk about to get a raise. <laughs> so, so you don't have to pretend okay we've got uh lisa proust uh, the wonderful amazing lisa proust good to see you around lisa uh gives us 10 bucks says my two favorite ladies together live it's a super special day love you both she's just the nicest lady uh, have you too. met lisa uh yeah i met her yeah 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 i haven't met her in person cindy she's lovely Mag- yeah, that's what I hear. David Menzies speaks very highly. Uh, Cindy Mick888 gives us 20 bucks. Well, uh, that's so kind. Thank you. Love to see you both together. Yes. We should uh, do this. Thank you. Often. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to get rid of David, but uh, I can send him out on assignment a little bit more frequently <laughs> on Thursdays. I have those powers. Um, Fraser McBurney, our friend from Hamilton gives us five bucks i thought you would like to read without your glasses lol that's why he used he always uses cap locks and i always tease him about using cap locks he loves his cap locks but he apparently he's just been looking out for me all the time because i can't see anything um 
Albertan in awe gives us five bucks. Who's this idiot Tom Clark? <laughs> Extremely poor debate, <laughs> terrible questions, fire whomever hired him. What conservative agreed to his presence? Now, when mm-hmm. I was talking to my friends in the conservative party yesterday, they said he did a really good job. I think it was in 2017, they said. And so maybe that's why they had him back. But I don't know. You're in Alberta. There are so many conservative journalists. And I'm not saying me. Get Danielle Smith. Get, you know, Rick Bell. Get, you know, get John Gormley to to reflect the prairie something. Could have done a better job than Tom Clark. It felt very colonial. It's exactly what Alberta conservatives hate. We hate Mm -hmm. people from Ottawa and Ontario telling us what we are supposed to care about. And Tom Clark came and told us we care about TV shows. Anyway. We should should, should probably write to ask why they took the decision to take him as the moderator. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a video in me about this. Stay tuned, everybody. I I feel like I have a lot to say. Fraser McBurney gives us uh, five bucks. One question I would ask, when will you defend the Canadian borders by closing Roxham Road? Yeah. Yeah. If we were able... they Basically, the party said... One question per candidate per outlet. So, you know, we just had the questions that we had, but we had a whole list of questions. If we we're able to ask questions, we could have just hammered them with questions all night. One of them was Roxham Road. We wanted to talk about immigration levels versus inflation because everybody's talking about inflation, but nobody talks about, well, we have to resettle 300,000 people every single year. Do we have the housing yeah. to do that? Maybe we'll slow down until housing catches up, you know, so that people aren't priced out of the housing market in places like Toronto mm-hmm. and Vancouver. And I'm not talking about, you know, like old stock Canadians, as they say. I'm saying everybody, you if you're coming in as a legal immigrant, thank you for coming in legally. I would like you to be able to buy a house, too. But we can't do that when we're taking in so many legal immigrants every single year. It's something we need to talk about. And nobody is. And it's an issue that it doesn't matter if you vote NDP, liberal or conservative. I think it's two thirds of people say immigration levels, once you tell them what they are, are too high. Mm -hmm. But we still have a debate to come. So uh, stay tuned, everybody. Man, that's a great question for you, um, especially given your proximity to Roxham Road. Mm-hmm. World's worst gamer gives us a buck. If the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup finally this year, there will be world peace. I don't know, because David might get a little chaotic if that happens. He's been waiting for <laughs> close to his entire life for the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. And uh, boy, he'll be pretty darn uh, very excited about that. We are 10 minutes over. I have um, some important work to do after this. Thank you so much, Alexa. Sorry. No. Okay. So we are going to, I'm just going to wrap up the show, but stay with us because we have a really fun ad that the ladies from Misunderstood put together. So if you wouldn't mind sticking Mm -hmm. around for that, everybody who's watching, but I'll just wrap the show up now. Alexa, thank you so much for subbing in for David Menzies. Um, you are fantastic. Our viewers think so too. That's pretty clear. Um, thank and, you uh, to you. Go ahead. I add that uh, we will be free in Quebec in two days. Um, that is a really important day for us. No mask anymore. Oh, so exciting. Not that you've been hiding your pretty face anyway. Um, 
<laughs> Thank you to everybody in the office who puts the show together and everybody on the web team and who works behind the scenes to make sure that there are clickable links for you to tune in to watch us because that is a big job some days. Um, and thank you, like I said, to everybody who tuned in. Thank you to everybody who contributes to keep the lights on here at Rebel News. There are a lot of chats today, a lot of comments about the uh, debate. And uh, people were very generous today. So maybe we should sub David out a little more often. Anyway, speaking of David, as David Menzies always says, stay sane. <laughs> We'll